good. Oh, it's been so long. Right. How are you doing? Well, this is my first interview for Invisible Not Broken in a year. Yeah. <laughs> good to kick it off then. I mean, I, who else could I talk to that'd be more exciting than you? <laughs> and I'm digging the poster, the poster's darling. That's a, yeah, it's a cool painting. Huh? Um, I actually found that on um, Instagram. This lady, Iris Scott, Scott does it just with like finger painting. So I found no. That, yeah, it's all finger paint. Well, I've had a print of it, but. I'm feeling so bad for anyone who's not like watching us on YouTube because this is so cute <laughs> and I'm, I'm floored that it's finger painted and I love that you're supporting artists on Instagram. <laughs> All the dog pictures for sure. You, you have to have dogs in your life. It, it's, it's a happy thing. So we'll totally talk dogs and art in a second, but it's been a minute since you've been on and it's been a minute since we've published. It's been a year. We took a year hiatus. So if you want to reintroduce yourself, because you are impressive. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Laura Mustard. I'm an independent artist and songwriter based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and then I do have kind of a chronic illness or a kind of cluster of birth defects I was born with called Bader syndrome. Um, which to me mostly impacts like my urinary and digestive tract. So using the bed, using the bathroom has always been, and will always be an adventure <laughs> for me. And then I also have a latex allergy. There wasn't enough one. <laughs> I love that you have this like frame just sort of like the Hobbit or J.R. Tolkien for like going to the bathroom. Because I, I absolutely understand that. Like with pots, it's an adventure. If you stand, if you're going to go, <laughs> full Victorian fate or if you'll get like cocaine level like heart rate raise or if you're just gonna go full dead zombie yeah you never know what's gonna happen no a chronic illness is an absolute adventure 24 7 right yeah I like that framing on that I feel like that makes it more exciting I guess like if you you can't choose a lot about it but you can choose your framing and your words around it to make it more palatable I guess we need to talk about that because I am in the middle of like a back and forth depression and framing has been super fun right now on like okay can I even have the energy to frame this in a different way how do you deal it's like chronic illness no one gets it right in like the public like we don't have any tv shows that really get it except maybe this is us I feel like they're getting close but No one seems to get, especially now with like COVID, with what they're actually signing up for with a long slog. I think they have this sort of like TV idea of like the first very special episode. And then it's like one or two episodes of dealing with it and struggling. And then it's better. How do you deal with the slog? Dude, no, that's a first of all, I could talk about this is us forever. <laughs> we will promote your record, I promise. <laughs> No, but I love that joke. But I, or even because I remember like um, um, ER is like my comfort show, which is weird because it's all medical stuff. But there was one episode where like this lady did, or like one, one of the doctors had a baby and the baby ended up in the NICU and there was like one or two episodes and it was super dramatic. And then in the next episode, they took the baby home when it was like perfectly fine. And I was watching it with my mom and she had dealt with the NICU with me. And she's like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, it was just funny to kind of watch her reaction. Like, that's not what having a NICU baby is like at all. <laughs> like, there's no, no home care, no, you know, men's, no feeding pumps or anything. It's just a perfectly healthy baby, you know? So yes, I, I agree that like the TV doesn't always portray it accurately. Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been more of like an upbeat person to a degree I think that's just my nature but I definitely do have 
negative moments. And I think for me, like my journals, like are not fun to read back on <laughs> almost like, and that's where it all goes. <laughs> so it's super negative there. So I think I kind of just vent it there. And even like a lot of my first songs that I wrote, like when I was a teenager, were very angsty and moody. And like, I didn't choose it. And like, um, um, for all of my like pain, you know, where's my rainbow? Or, like they say to like get to the rainbow, you have to go through the rain. And that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, so I definitely like it does leak out in some of those kind of um, ways too. I think it comes out slowly, but for me, I think I've just always had a more, I don't know, just kind of more of an adventurous, like positive, like this, or, or more like um, it is what it is. So I kind of just deal with it as it pops up and then you process the trauma of it later <laughs> that's kind of been my thing too just one thing at a time or even like my dog like ate something the other day it's like well we'll just take her to the vet and see what happens and we'll kind of just go from there and i'm sure it'll be, but that's kind of my and she was fine but she passed it but anyway but like i think that's just my my reaction for life is just like well we'll deal with it as it goes and then if there's bigger problems we'll kind of tackle that as it comes up or maybe it's like denial to a degree that helps me get through it <sighs> But you've defined my parenting strategy right there is <laughs> it's like most of it. I give you full props for the bravery of rereading old journals. Right. It's were you not- doing it? Were you doing it like mine for like good lyrics or were you just like really wanting to see how far you've come or I won't do it. I apps, I have them. I will not look at them. I, I, I'm so impressed by you. It feels like doing the moth episode at home with no one around. Yeah. So like, I think I thought like it would be fun. And I was like, Oh, let me just read through and this will be interesting. And I was like, Oh no, this is not fun. Or you're like, Oh no, nothing's changed. And I still have a lot of the same like negative thought patterns. I'm like, or, or even like, it's like kind of like um, unrequited love from like seven years ago. That was like a big deal. And it's like, now it doesn't matter. And the dude's married and we're friends and like, no one cares. So it's, but like, that was a really big deal of time to you, Laura, but like now you're fine, you know, stuff like that, which I guess is nice perspective of stuff that you were really worrying about is now like an inconsequential blip on in your little history, which is nice. So sometimes it can give you that perspective, but if it is more, and, and even some of the negative stuff kind of back from college, like thoughts about kind of, kind of like long-term kind of fatalizing stuff of like, you know, like who's going to want to be with me or like, you know, I'm, I'm in my twenties and this is when you're supposed to be the healthiest and what's going to happen when I'm 50 and your body starts to decline. And like, I'm like, I feel like I don't have those fears anymore. Again, it kind of just is what it is, but you can kind of look back and, and that is nice to see moments of growth. I'm like, well, I'm glad you kind of worked through that and you're not thinking that way anymore. But I think it's also natural to have moments of frustration or lack of control or, whatever but and and, like I've noticed for me too like it does take me a bit to process stuff or like something bad will happen and then I'll write a song about it like six months later where like I can't I don't usually I'm not able to like usually do it in the moment or the day after unless it's like a breakup and I'm really mad or angsty or something that I can usually write about quickly in my past but like medical stuff or even like 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 a new song on the project is called Sunflowers which is about a kind of fan musical collaboration that kind of turned into more of a stalkery negative scary situation and it was resolved quickly but that happened in like the fall and I didn't write about it until the spring so it just took me a little bit to kind of process and work my head around and like I didn't want to go back into that negative place I think and then I finally was like okay now I can write about this now that it's passed and it's like I processed it more but I have noticed that about myself as I get older as it takes me usually a few months to process harder <laughs> harder things before I can actually write about it in a constructive artistic way I guess <laughs> How do you do that? Like, 
I, I'm always like, I have, I'm a writer. I am an artist. Disability is just now going into my work and it's a very um, planned reason. It, it's not natural for me. I just wrote my first character who has chronic pain and it was brutal to write. So do you find it like therapeutic to write about this? It, how, what's your process for like distilling? This is how I feel about this. And then figuring out how to make it artistic and something that someone will listen to. Yeah. I, mean, like, I think I always kind of worried that it was like too personal almost, or like it was something that wouldn't translate to like a more wider audience. But I did have a song called Nobody's Road on my last project that was more like in general, like no one's roads ever even. And like, we all have hard things we deal with more of a general, this is how we deal with general hard things in our life. But then with 2020, I had three operations in like a month period on my urinary system while like my first singles were coming out. So I was like doing promo, but had the like, urine drainage bag and like trying to do a live stream like two days after the surgery and my bladder was still sore. But I was like, I can sing, it'll be fine. And like I did it, but like <laughs> stuff like that. So I think too, just going through that, like it kind of made me talk about it more publicly because it just felt insincere to be like, you know, check out my new music. And like, my life's awesome. While like all this stuff is going on behind the scenes. So I just got really honest about it. And then that led to it kind of going into more of the songwriting stuff. And actually I think last time we met, I had said like, I was just starting to write a song and I like mentioned one or two of the lyrics and that's actually in the single that's coming out in May. So I did actually finish that song and it became a real thing called show and tell. But I think maybe just confronting it more and kind of publicly talking about it made it easier to kind of write about and growing up too, like I was teased a lot as a kid for the medical stuff. And so it just put this like extra layer of kind of shame or secrecy where I felt like I couldn't talk about it. I mean, like I could at home, my family was super supportive, but it was kind of something that stayed at home and it wasn't anything I really went out of my way to talk to friends or peers or anything about till I was in like my mid twenties, maybe, which is like a long time to keep something a secret. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think you just kind of open up to friends and then once friends are, uh, receptive of it, it kind of starts to cancel out some of that negativity you got maybe back in the day of like, oh, okay, people won't run when I talk about this. It's not a deal breaker. Cool. And then you learn to kind of be more open about it. But so I think all those things too, just having more acceptance and seeing other people who are not 12 <laughs> in my life, like accept it too, as you get older, people care less and less about what's going on, you know? So I think yeah, I think it was more of a general acceptance that had to happen for me first, too. And then, and, and actually that, sh that song, Show and Tell, that'll be out in May, really is kind of zooming on, zooming in on the first time I posted about my medical stuff um, online, where I, I took a selfie of me with my urine drainage bag in the middle of the urinary adventures of 2020 <laughs> that were going on. But I was like, hey, like, I appreciate all the support on the new single, but here's what's been going on behind the scenes. I've had two operations in the past month. And like, I kind of just wrote a post about it. And I had that moment of like, I had my finger over send and was like, do I want to post this? I don't know. And then I just posted it and then I went to bed and then I woke up and it was a very positive kind of response online, which was nice. But like, but, but like there's like a line in the song that's like the pre-chorus. It's like, I had my finger over send, but I was hesitant to send it into the internet where it'll live forever. So it really does like zoom in on that kind of vulnerability of posting your story online. Um, and so, the, and then, and that leads to more of a community I've found online too, or even when my, 
doctor told me I was going to have to have a super pubic catheter put in walking out of her office. I was on Instagram looking at hashtag super pubic catheter. Cause I just wanted to see what, what kind of real people look like having this catheter and what that looked like in the day to day. And I also had a Facebook group um, that I'm part, part of for kid for, for people with uh, Vader syndrome. And I put a post in there of like, Hey, does anyone have a super pubic catheter? Like just curious what this like, what it's like. And some girl did DM me and that was helpful to kind of chat with her about it. So there is a lot of nice community on that i feel like i got off the topic of your question and now i'm going more into the acceptance in the community but i think i think it kind of it's tangential where i i had that acceptance around it myself first i think before i could really put it openly into my music and now there are at least two songs on the new project that do get more in depth about um kind of just living with medical stuff like hide and seek and show and tell that'll be on my album in July I really do jump into the medical stuff more lyrically for the first time which is nice how do you how do you unlearn like Uh, we kids are I mean it's not just kids I mean like I'm on Twitter I just spent three days with like getting the most amount of people telling me to go die that I've ever had in three days um how do you unlearn and decide to be vulnerable it's a choice to be vulnerable it's a brave choice it's a kind choice I I believe that with every fiber of my being that being open about your experiences lets someone else be less lonely so how do you get to that place where you can go okay I'm not 12 anymore I don't need to impress anyone and even if I do that's going to go off to the side because this is more important yeah I mean I feel like for me it was more like dipping my toe in the water and tr- like, let me tell this person about it. Oh, is that cool? Cool. Let and you me- did that on, on social media. You dipped your toe in the water on social yeah. media. Well, yeah. Um, well, Brave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I mean, I feel, I feel like the first time actually, so like I was going to go on a camping trip with some friends back in like 2008. It was like friends from college, but I of course had to ask them about the bathroom accommodations. because That's a big part of my life. I was like, I mean, like I can make a porter potty work, but I'm, I'm not digging a hole in the woods with everything. I'd like, I just wanted to make sure there was adequate plumbing. But anyway, um, but she was like, you know, like, would you mind like telling me more about what you need so I can like make sure the accommodations are right? And this was over. I am we were kind of I aming back and forth. But I got really honest and said, you know, like I have this bowel management routine I do once a day, like an enema that I do once a day that I've done forever, and um, talking about food allergies and stuff. And she's like, no, that's fine. Like, and she was really open about it. But as I was doing that, I had like tears kind of going down my face because I was just so afraid of like. Like, 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 that was really the first time I'd really been that open with someone, but it was like super receptive on the other end. So, and like, I don't think she even knew that was a big deal for me to talk about, but I was like, I really want to go on this trip. So I need to find out the information. So I'm going to tell you and be really honest. And so to me, but it was also like not face to face. It was where I am. So I could like be vulnerable. So to me, like that was kind of a toe dipping thing and telling partners about it and now telling more friends about it. So like, I, I feel like I've, I, I'd gotten to the, po- the point where like, where like close friends in my world knew about it before I took it to social media. I think like, like I'd kind of gotten a, a, enough, enough acceptance, like in my own little bubble where I felt like, okay, maybe I can put this online. And even when I talk about it online though, I feel like I do use certain language around it. Like I'm still worried about it being like TMI, especially cause my stuff does have to use, do you do with using the bathroom so like I actually don't use the word pee or urine or poop or like any because I I guess I'm just like afraid it'll come off as gross and like I don't know if that's too if that's something that like I need to learn to kind of get past and just be more open but I also want to do it in a way that doesn't turn people off I guess I don't know if that's I don't know so I feel like that's something I'm still 
working on in terms of like how vulnerable to be or how nitty gritty to kind of get into. But I definitely do still have kind of euphemisms or like per se, you know, like, 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 like my stomach is sensitive versus I spent several hours in the bathroom. <laughs> That's kind of what happened, you know? So there's still this like some certain kind of word choice that I'm, I guess, using to try to soften the blow a little bit. But, but yeah, I would say dipping your toe in the water first with people in, in your circle that you trust and then maybe doing a more vague post and seeing how that goes and then getting more and more general maybe, or you could just rip the bandaid off and say, screw it and see what happens too. Cause like, I mean, like I thought it would be this big giant thing. and like, no one really cared. It was more just like, Oh, that's cool. Like you have a catheter. That's cool. Like whatever. So like, it wasn't this giant revelation that I thought it was going to be for everybody else. So I feel like we make it a bigger deal sometimes. And again, that kind of 12 year old self, I think makes it a bigger deal too. Cause I, cause even like in high school, I feel like no one really cared, but I cared type thing where like everybody was kind of over it, but I still saw myself as the girl who went to the nurse all the time, but no one else did. And then I started carrying a keyboard around in the hallway and tried to use it more for like class projects and stuff. And I like being known as the girl with the keyboard instead of the girl who goes to the nurse, but like maybe no one saw me as the girl who goes to the nurse. I don't know. Like maybe that was all in my head, you know? So uh, just, just kind of how you see yourself and why do you see yourself and do people really care? as much as they think you think they do because i feel like as you get older you learn that no one's really thinking about you anyway (laughs) like we care a lot more than other people do not in a negative like no one cares about you but you know like (laughs) but yeah so i think that's helpful to learn too just as you get older you stop caring as much too I think I'm actually old enough to be your biological mom. So I can absolutely give you the full lowdown on hitting like, like mid forties has been like, Oh my God, why, why did it take so long like to stop caring? Like not, I love the world. I want to save the world. I care. I don't necessarily care as much what someone thinks about me. And that took like 40 years. And it's, it's, um, it's probably the best thing about getting older is realizing that no one's watching you the way that you're watching you. Right. Yeah. That's a good phrasing of it. No one's like watching you the way that you're watching you or even because like I posted some stuff and have gotten some kind of like trollish type comments. Oh, aren't they fun? They're, I mean, to me, I just think they're kind of funny, but like I, I don't engage with them because I kind of like that, like don't feed the trolls. But like my artist coach was like, no, no, you should like comment back and like kind of stir the pot. And sometimes I can help get engaged. And it's like, oh, like, I, don't, I don't know, man. To me, it's like, I don't know if it's worth poking the bear, but I don't, I don't know. So and yeah. you level issue and whether you're entertained by that or not like yeah exactly it's, I get some of the trolls and I I do it as a thought exercise because I made it a promise that I would not say anything on the internet I would not say in front of my 14 year old I just won't um it does not matter what they say to me yeah. I will always I will never dehumanize someone it's just my general rule. If I ever mess that up, I am so sorry, but it is one of my big tenants and that's not to say I don't fall down, but it's a big thing for me. I will not make fun of some, I will not tease someone on how they appear or how they are born. All those things are off limits. Like I will go to the point and I've had some good, good conversation. I just had some guy totally attack me online and I was like, Hey, that was not polite. If you actually want to have a conversation about this, I am willing to discuss this with you. I have like 30 minutes. 
do you want to talk? And he was like, well, you're trying to say that no one can be a billionaire. I'm like, you're right. I am absolutely saying no one should be a billionaire. You are correct, sir. I agree. Yeah. I was like, you know, if you get to $15 billion, um, something's gone very wrong and you do not get to that point without generational wealth behind you to begin with. And stepping on the necks of people, it's not possible. And he was, uh, so I gave him some articles on, on the actual things that person did at the factory here in Fremont that was very racially wrong and horrible and scary. And we actually had a really good, I've, I've done this multiple times where most of the time it still goes bad, but it's not, it's not about them. It's about who I am as a person and how I want to be able to say I behaved. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, yeah. And, and, and like, and like the, the, the like responses that, that like pop into my head, like aren't like mean or like, or so like, so like someone commented on, on, on one of my things, um, virgin alert, which in my head, it's like, I haven't thought about that since like high school. Like why is, which that dude probably is a high school person, but part of me wanted to comment and be like, actually virginity is a man-made construct that shames both men and women. That's like, but it's like, I don't think this person really cares and is going to like engage in the dialogue. So like, what's the point, you know, like it's more like, is that really going to change anything? I don't know. So I think I argue it does. I argue that even if it doesn't change them, it gives the person who's looking at you being hurt by someone else and yeah. sees how, sees a new script. Like uh, yesterday, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, 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 the woman uh, sh- uh, that she was attacking did this beautiful speech on Twitter. And it, it was gorgeous. It, I, I have not felt inspired by a politician in a very long time. Felt yeah. inspired. But also that she showed me how I could handle a situation like that. Like, yeah. but I think there's a lot of education that can happen, even if it's not educating the troll, it's, yeah. it's giving other people the bravery to know, oh, I can be under attack and that's okay. And it doesn't mean I shouldn't be in the public eye. That's yeah. I mean, I guess part of me is like, I don't want to validate that with the response, but I like that idea of putting something that could like be educational or helpful. And like, I do think the amount of weight we put on virginity is stupid. And it just comes oh my God. Problems. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, and I feel like no one's again, thought about that or said anything about that since high school for me. Maybe I get it. As you get older, you just don't care. But it's like, really, dude? Like, this is what you're... <laughs> I thought you were making a Spaceballs reference, but... Um... <laughs> it's fine, yeah. But, and, and, and there's one really, really creative dude on TikTok who was like, this song reminds me of, like, what I always imagined, like, a boring religious family in the American suburbs would sound like. And I was like, what a creative way to say you don't like my song. Like, I thought it was actually really funny. Like, I was cracking up, and I was like, I don't really know how to respond to it, but I think that's an amazing comment. <laughs> I, was, I was like, kudos to you, man. That's a really cool way to say the song's not for you. That's fine. I just thought it was really funny, but it's like, I don't know how to... I wasn't sure, like, what to say to that. That would be, like, entertaining back. But I was like, man, that made me laugh for, like, a good five minutes. So good for you. <laughs> I guess the takeaway is if you want to insult someone, at least be hilarious about it. The bar is set and <laughs> you must clear this. Otherwise, <laughs> please don't bother. Yeah. And then and, and like, I guess it's different too, because like art or music is so subjective that mm. like, yeah, everyone's going to like it. So I don't really take it personally. If you don't like my song, it's fine. Like, and that's part of the joy of throwing your stuff on TikTok or whatever. It's just like, here's 30 seconds of it. I hope you like it. I'll have another one tomorrow because that's the game. But like... You know, so it's fine. Not everyone's going to like it. It's just another way to get your stuff out there. But I don't, I don't know if it's different with like, with like writing or art, you know, something that you, I don't know. I guess, I guess it all is art and all is subjective, but it's, I just feel like it's not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. It is what it is. And 
I'm just using I mean, I'm lucky enough that my following is so low for my art. Like my, I have two separate accounts and I have like the invisible not broken stuff. And that's where everyone seems to know where I'm at and what I'm doing. And then I have my art account, which like no one follows. So it's just, I get to exist in this little like sub world where people are weirdly super supportive. Like it's, I don't know what it is about illustrations and maybe it's because I'm constantly drawing fairies and Beatrix Potter inspired little mice on mushrooms. And like, I also do a bunch of like horror watercolors because I don't know. I'm in a mood. I like it's those, an aesthetic. Like, the end of the spectrum, like Beatrix Potter and then a horror walk. <laughs> to be fair, that woman was a brilliant scientist. And oh, no, she no, no, was no. like, she was a farmer who absolutely, like she, yeah. oh my God, that woman like actually did her own taxidermy. Like I <laughs> think yeah, we I, don't understand. She's amazing. Yeah. I just did an episode on her for my, I do a kids history podcast and I do like 10 minute history podcast. I just, she's fresh in my mind right now. (laughs) Just a lot of fun. Um, So I wanted to ask you about energy because we talked about social media and songwriting and living with trolls and being sick. How do you set up your boundaries and how do you manage commitments with energy issues? Yeah, I mean, I think as I get older, I've been making sleep more of a priority, kind of, and, and I've just learned that, like, if I burn the candle on both ends, like, for me, like, I always get a UTI, that's, like, my body's response, like, if I get too run down, like, 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 I feel like normal people get colds, and my system's just like, nope, this is our weak system, here's a UTI for you, you didn't do it, right? But, so, yeah, I've, I've, I've learned that, like, that's not something I can deprioritize, so I try to at least get seven or seven and a half hours but on the weekends. I didn't get a lot more, but, um, but yeah, no, I think, I think just, just trying to set boundaries and even at work like a year or so ago, I put in to change my work hours to 32 hours a week too. And that gives me more time for music too, versus working a full 40 hours, I think. So just being mindful of your rest and your energy. Um, and for me too, like I spend a lot of time in bathrooms as I've talked about, but like I have a little tray table in there and I, wash my hands and stuff, but I've sent a lot of emails and written a lot of songs and stuff during my bathroom time. Cause it's time I'm in there by myself. It's a quiet hour in the morning that I have every morning basically. So I try to like make that time I'm in there productive if I can, like, and kind of using that and then you can rest in other ways. So just, just trying to kind of be mindful of like, what can I do or, and then just prioritizing too, or like, you don't have to do everything all at once. Or maybe it's not the end of the world if that email goes out on a Friday instead of a Tuesday or something, you know, things like that too. Just learning what you can drop a little bit. I don't know. So I think that helps. And I'm thinking of, and I guess like the work-life balance thing is the eternal struggle, but I, I, I guess I try to think of it more as a seesaw some days too. It's like I work as a speech therapist, which is really not a part-time kind of day job thing. It is a full career. You are helping children communicate and families. It is a very involved thing which I'm really glad to do but you know and there's always paperwork for it and stuff like that so some days are definitely more speech therapy focused and then other days I get to play with music more or do more of the paperwork stuff for music or what have you where I, I used to think like like I want to do everything every day and I want to like make sure I write every day and play piano every day and practice banjo and like do music promotion every day and like that's like four hours on top of your normal job like you can't do that every day that's okay so it's okay if some days are more work based and some days are more music based like just kind of letting some of that drop oh. so I think just loosening your expectations I guess kind of and trying to just set boundaries as you 
as you go. Because if you don't rest, your body's going to make you rest in a way that you don't want it to. You know, it's going to break down or get sick or what have you. So, yeah. It started like, because I, I'm convinced morning routines are not for sick people. Like, Wait. that's insane. Like, the bedtime and the morning routines, like, that's great for healthy people. And it's aspirational. Yeah, for us. But I've been getting really ticked off at my little Apple Watch lately. It's oh. unreasonable how much I'm mad at it because I feel like it's trolling me. And it's <laughs> like I had like a femur dislocation because, of course, and I'm stuck in bed. It's like it's time to stand. I'm like, oh, really? Is it? Is, Is it? it? Oh, you have enough time to close your rings. Oh, do I? Oh, how sweet of you to think that was. I don't even know. It's a freaking piece of technology. It is not trolling me, but it feels personal at that moment. And maybe it's the pain meds, but I'm just just saying like all these things that I expect myself to do every day, because these are the grown up things you do. You exercise, you brush your teeth, you brush your hair, you do your yoga and your mindfulness and your meditation. And then you do your job and then you do your hobbies. And then I get to be a wife and a mom and then I get to be therapist for friends and then I get to be daughter and it's yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I found that the only way I could survive it was just to write my aspirational what I'd like to say I got done today and sometimes it's Jane Austen movies. Yeah. And I have a weekly list of things that have to get done that week. Right. And that's never works out, but it at least makes me feel less <laughs> awful. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, like, I have a planner that I kind of use, and I like try to kind of draft out the week. But I think of it more as like a draft. So if I don't get it all done, that's okay. And I kind of have like a running to do list on the bottom. And if I check stuff off, great. If not, it goes on to the next week, and I keep trying it there. Like you know, I think that's okay too. Or even like I'm 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 like releasing singles and stuff now too for this new album. But there's like all this what I call music paperwork that kind of goes into in terms of just sending like hundreds of emails of like, play my song, play my song. Do you want to feature this? Can I do a podcast interview? Like, it's just like a million interviews like that, that I sent you, but, um, but you know, but, but, but you do that like a lot for each single, but that takes time and you can kind of schedule it ahead of time. So they go out the day they need to go out, but it's still, again, like it, maybe it's okay if all those emails don't go out on Tuesday and some of them make it to Friday or some of them make it to the next week of like, just trying to not kill yourself and like, or, or having like a social media, like editorial thing planned out ahead of time. Again, it's a nice idea, but sometimes I'm like, this video is good. Let me post that today. Perfect. Okay. I posted something. Okay. Here we go. Like, <laughs> you know, instead of having this perfectly sculpted, which again, like if I didn't have a day job and could just do music all day, sure. Like I'd love to have a perfect social media editorial planned out a month in advance, but maybe that that's not in the cards. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know so just like learning what can drop and like maybe it's not this perfect like and actually like my my first single in march has a line of like i'm um i'm um, perfectly fine with never being perfect and i'm like that is a nice thing to kind of come back to and keep me grounded of like it's okay not to be perfect and it's okay not to do x y or z and like i feel like that's hard too with social media all the comparison and especially as an artist or a songwriter, you see all these other people posting stuff and look at their shows or look at their perfect pictures or whatever. How come I don't have as many streams or how come it's like, just stop. It's okay. Like you are where you are. Just keep building from where you are or kind of like, yeah. (laughs) I'm old enough that I remember when social media started. Like I remember that it was supposed to be a fun thing. 
Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be a way to share your life easily. And yeah. now it's like the super targeted, like if you're an artist, only put your best stuff out. No, no, no. If you're an artist, put your like your process out. No, no, no. Do and then you have to figure out the hashtags and yeah. oh and my God. TikTok lately, like if I put hashtags, it like doesn't share my videos, but if I don't put hashtags, it like shares them more. So there's all these like arbitrary rules that change from week to week with the algorithm. And you can like drive yourself crazy. So I'm trying to stay on top of it. So I I just have more like a build that they will come mentality or like I'll post once a day on there because you're supposed to, but I'm going to post whenever I want to. And like, if you like it, cool. If I have too many hashtags, it's fine. Like I'll try again tomorrow. Maybe you'll like that one better. Like it's, you know, otherwise you can drive yourself bonkers with it. Although like I did, I was at this Nashville songwriting association thing and one dude said like, you and, and, and it was like a pro songwriter, but he was saying someone like Luke Bryan, I don't know if it was him or not, but he was backstage and he was like, how come Florida Georgia line has more likes on their posts than I do? And I was like, well, good Luke Bryan. I feel that way too. I'm glad it's not just me. I'm like, I guess it's kind of sad that it never stops no matter what level you get to, but it was, I guess, kind of comforting to feel like everybody does that. Even if you are at that pinnacle of, music fame or whatever everybody is secretly watching their numbers on social media and getting mad about it which I don't know if that's good or bad but it just makes me feel nice that I'm not the only one who gets frustrated by it but then it's a nice reminder to drop it because it just means it never goes away (laughs) it just is what it is (laughs) it's a wonderful place if you miss high school yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I feel of it. I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword. But like, as a musician, it does help you get your stuff out to a wider audience yeah. and promote your stuff in a way that you couldn't twenty years ago without a label. So that is cool. You can do a lot more as an independent artist, but then you get caught up in all the traps of the algorithm and the comparison and all that. I mean, like, and even the comparison, I try to use that as more of like motivation of like, oh, am I jealous of this person playing a lot of shows? Maybe I should try to book more shows then. Or, oh, did this person get a sync placement and their music's on the TV show? Well, I could try to do that. Like, you know, and just showing like, what are you envious of? Can you try to take steps to make that happen for you versus greedily staring at the, <laughs> the screen and feeling bad about it? Like, well, that's just showing you what you want. And take a breath and maybe log off for a minute and play some music, but then, you know, you've kind of clarified your goals a little better than by feeling those feelings. Yes. is a more constructive way to hold it. But. Like underlining that whole conversation because people <laughs> seem to think that gel, like that we've gotten to this weird, like toxic positivity world where like anything that makes you feel bad shouldn't be around. And it's like jealousy is such a powerful tool. Yeah. It really shows you what you're like, do you even want this in your life? Or are you just needing like ear scratches and there's nothing wrong with needing ear scratches, right. but exactly. it's, it's a good tool. It's a good metric to be like, Oh, huh. Maybe I did want that in my life. Or maybe I just want that level of people listening to me or like, yeah, that, that like exposure, what have you too. Yeah. <laughs> just find too but like, again, there's ways to try to get that or there's ways to play out more, promote your stuff more like, my dog snoring. I don't know if you can hear. I was wondering what that was. That's that's pretty cute. Oh, oh, baby. Oh, if we could all sleep like a well cared for dog. Yeah, we just had like a two hour walk this morning at the um, Bell's Bend Park in Nashville. So she is. <laughs> Digging like that little like seriously if you're listening to this go over to our youtube channel is totally worth like checking out i think that you need to actually do a home tour sometimes your house is right. darling but <laughs> the art and the dogs definitely need to be seen i'm sorry i don't have my babies in here because the pug would absolutely be able to like show you what real snoring and snorting sounds like she 
has excelled. Um, do you have any like digital tools that you use to help you make any of this more manageable? I know there's a lot of people who are really like, I, I have a theory that all of us who are chronically ill are some of the most creative people in the world, but we don't have the energy to necessarily like fight the fight to get our voices out there, get our art out there, get our, our ideas out there. So I'm trying to like pull together the most amount of like hacks that all of the people who are actually out there do. Do you have any like ways that make that easier for you to be out there? Yeah. I mean, I use like Asana, which is like a kind of task organizer tool. And I kind of, yeah. And I do it with a group called zero to 60, which is like kind of an artist coaching service, which for me is, is kind of like, like giving my executive functioning skills to someone else where they kind of just like, just like list all the tasks you're supposed to do and kind of assign them due dates. And then you can check them off as you go. So it's just less for me to physically keep track of where I can go out there and be like, okay, these emails have to be out by this date. And like, I should really start looking at merch by this date. And like, it's just helpful to kind of have all that organized somewhere. And then I also have like a, a, a kind of person that I meet with once every other week. So it's again, somebody to kind of yell at you and tell you to get your stuff done, like in a, in, in a very kind way. But for me, it's just helpful to have somebody else as more of the taskmaster of like, Hey Laura, like, you know, you might want to like start looking into merch soon if you're going to have like a show in July for your, you know, or you might want to book that menu for your release show in July since it's April. And like, it's like, okay, let me get on that. Like, and that's something I'm emailing about now. It's having someone kind of looking at stuff coming down the line is definitely helpful. Um, I've tried like Google calendar, but I do have like a, a paper planner too. And I feel like I kind of just like the pen to paper more, but I do like how Google calendar kind of pings you for stuff. But then when I get off track and it's less of a draft, it's more just like a guilt thing of like, Oh, you're not doing this thing you said you'd do. It's like, well, I'm in the bathroom. So it's not going to get done right now, but maybe later Google. Calendar. <laughs> um, so I have kind of like a love hate relationship with it where I, I feel like I'll like use it for a week and then I'll stop for a month and then I'll try it again for another <laughs> week. Um, and then like, I do have like a, um, accountability buddy thing with two other friends of mine who were songwriters and we kind of just text each other once a day. I'm like, Hey, like, here's what I'm going to try to get done today. And maybe I'll get it done or maybe I'll do it tomorrow. But it is kind of a cool thing to equate and just kind of have that friend support and especially people who are, have similar goals in terms of songwriting and, uh, putting their music out there. Um, <clears throat> but I think that's, I mean, like, and I use Gmail for all my music stuff and have like a website and all the social media stuff. I, I've heard of like, like a social media, like some website that will kind of like send your stuff out kind of, and you, and you can kind of like plan it ahead of time. I just never, Buffer. what? Well, there's like Buffer, there's Hootsuite, there's uh stacks. There's a ton of them. I use yeah. Buffer. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've heard of that too. I've just never had time to like dive into it. And I've kind of just been more flying by the seat of my pants. I'm like, let me post this video today. This is a good one. Okay. Here we go. Like, but something like that too might be helpful to organize it, especially if you are in more of like a strategic kind of album release cycle of once a month, you're kind of actively promoting this single and two weeks before the next one, you start focusing on the next one. So there is like a very structured way I'm doing it. I'm just not writing it down anywhere, <laughs> but maybe planning that out a little more would be helpful. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's all the kind of technology type things I use in general, but I definitely could stand to be organized more organized because time management and structure is not my <laughs> strong suit, but that's okay. I need a grown up who doesn't have ADD to be in charge of me because it's brutal to like have all the projects going that I want to have going and then 
also be a parent who's supposed to be like um, consistent, I think is the word that was I was supposed to be. And apparently that sort of parenting did not talk to people who have ADD and can't ah. remember what they told their kid and can't remember how long they're supposed to be grounded for. It, it's very, if you ever saw Easy A, that's very much our household of, are you grounded? How do I ground you? Are you supposed to be like in trouble right now? I don't know if you're supposed to. Did I say that? How oh, for Christ? Like, you seem fine. You seem okay. Excellent. You learned your lesson. You're good. You, 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 the house is still standing. I'm, <laughs> you won't do that again, right? Right, right. Like, I, yeah, strict is not necessarily not a choice here. It's just not an option. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, but, but I feel like even that you kind of just giving yourself credit for all you do because sometimes I feel frustrated that I'm not getting enough done. But it's like you also work, I mean, I work 10 weeks, 32 hours a week, but it's at least 40 with all the paperwork and stuff. Oh my God. You know, and, and again, that is, and it can be heavy work of like, I've been the first person to tell a parent, like, I think your child might have autism. Like, you might want to get some evaluation. I've had parents crying sessions. Like, it can be heavy days sometimes. And not that there's anything wrong with autism. It's just, it is an adjustment for some parents to kind of learn about or know more about. And, um, anyway, but like that, that can be, again, it's not like wait, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with waiting tables either, but I'm saying it's a very different type of day job aside from music that does require a lot of mental energy and <laughs> kind of strength and, or even just like, I've, I've had kids tantrum for 45 minutes in our preschool. And it's like, if I hear one more child crying today, I'm going to lose my, <laughs> you know, you have some of those days too. And that's not every day, but some days are very, very challenging. And that's, and, and, and like, I feel like for that, even that, even that kind of like sense of humor, I'm like, well, it is what it is. Like, <laughs> you know, like you kind of just have to roll with it and have that flexibility and that sense of humor around it too but anyway that's a whole other world than the music stuff that I do too and then you have all these medical things you're doing too and I decided to adopt a dog because I wasn't doing enough and I wanted another dog in my life so now we have this snoring wonderful beast who's been here for about a month now so that's like a new adjustment so you know but but, but it's easy to kind of say like you're not doing enough and then you zoom out and you're like well but you do have a lot of plates in the air Laura like it's okay if you're not perfect at everything like one day at a time and here's a goal for today. Let's see if you can do that. And, you know, I don't know, just trying to make it work in your favor and be kind to yourself. Self-kindness I think is hard in our kind of hustle and rise and grind culture. It's like, maybe you are doing enough. It's okay. <laughs> it's the one piece of, I have teenagers in my life right now. Like my oldest is an adult. My youngest is high school. And we always have like a house full of teenagers around. And the <laughs> best advice I give them is, Never speak to yourself in your head in any different way than you would talk to your friend. Mm. If you would not say that to your best friend, yeah. I need you to not say that to yourself or about yourself. And that's that seems to be the best advice I, I've been able to give out to young people because it's the advice I'm trying to live. And that's basically advice is someone telling you what they're trying to do or what they wish they had done. And that's, that's one of the biggest things I've been working on is never say anything to, well, for me, it's I wouldn't say anything to me that I wouldn't say to my child. Like, if I wouldn't say that about my kid, I'm not going to say that about me. That's a really good advice. Yeah. And, like, I feel like our culture just has so much of a – and some of that's, like, the rugged, individualistic bootstraps lie of, like, you can do anything. But anyway, that that all feeds into our society and the capitalistic 
anyway, I don't want to go on. Earn your place is basically what I've been hearing through all of COVID. You're disabled. Your life does not matter as much as the healthy person. And it's really feeding into like my deepest fears about myself is that I'm not worthy of all of the resources I take up as a disabled person. And my lovely husband talks me down from my ledge all the time on why I am worthy just as I am. I, I don't need to be healthier. It's been brutal this last no, like no. three years. No, and the policy changes are ugly and painful and really left an entire population feeling abandoned. Right? No, I mean, especially in 2020, like having multiple operations <clears throat> wearing a mask and stuff. And I'm seeing people getting mad about wearing a mask at the grocery store. It's like, do you understand? Like, do you know what it's like to be hospitalized? Do you know what it's like to have a, like, it's just like, or even like long COVID or people just downplay the severity. It's like, I don't think you understand what, what it's like to not be able to walk a flight of stairs. Like I've had, and, and, and for me, that's more kind of like right after an operation when things are healing, I've been fortunate where it's more, for me, it's more, I spend a long time in the bathroom, but then I can, that might sideline me for a day or two, but then I'm like, usually back to, I'm like, I'm lucky in that sense. And it's more like episodic day or two things, but it's not like a long-term winded thing that I don't think people understand how much that would change your life and even with our our amazing healthcare system too if they would put oh yeah that 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 amazing healthcare (laughs) system here in the U.S. yeah yeah let's strip that with some more sarcasm let's just like really like put the sarcasm (laughs) sauce on that one yeah yeah I know. I was, I was hoping that the sarcasm ring. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to make sure we underlined the sarcasm on that because I, I think you're right. Um, we don't do a good job of explaining, uh, not that it's our job, but this right. country does not do a good job of explaining what happens when you get sick. So healthy people don't realize what happens when you go to the hospital that like I went to the ER because they thought I was having appendicitis and it was a thousand two hundred dollars for intake. Nothing else getting done. $1,200 to walk through the door. Right. Um, and then if you have a chronic illness, you're expected to be your own medical professional, your own doctor. So to decide whether you're going to pay the 8K, which is what that whole bill came to, was $8,000 for three hours of service and two botched IVs um, was $8,000. And they expect sick people to decide, is this a heart attack or is it POTS? Is this a urinary tract infection or is this something more serious? Is this infection getting to a point where I really need some medical help or not? And you have to be the one who decides that because you're the one who might have your house, a lien put on it. You might be in debt for the rest of your life. Um, You know, there's a lot of of things here that really make you have to make choices. I would kidnap you for the rest of the day and you know this, but I want to get to your music and I feel really guilty that I like sidelined this multiple times. No, okay, go ahead and have some thoughts about it. That's totally fine. I did not mean to be like, here's a whole bunch of opinions and now you have to ignore it. You're just going to agree with me by proxy and silence. No, 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 no. I mean, I agree with that a lot in terms of my understanding kind of the long-term effect and even just the financial costs and stuff. Even last night, someone was saying, you know, like, like, because I was at a show last night, but they were saying, you know, like, if you really want to be an artist, you should just like drive with every day and try to like make your money off that, maybe play down on Broadway. I wanted to be like, what do you do for healthcare with that? Like, what if you have a chronic illness for that? Like, like that's a big part of why I went into speech therapy. I mean, like, I do love the kids and working with that, but I also really need a job with good benefits and not a high deductible. And I was really lucky with my 2020 adventures, having three operations in the two-month period and an ER visit. 
and antibiotics and follow-up care and all of that with my insurance. It actually wasn't as, you know, it would have been probably a big debt thing without it, but I was fortunate enough where I have insurance and I have savings. I can pay my mortgage, but I have to spend 40 hours of my week away from music, but it's worth it when stuff like that happens and your world falls apart. You have this safety net that you really can depend on. And even just the care too, like I buy catheters and I can easily spend like 200 bucks a month at CVS on pills and gauze pads and tape and a million supplies and saline and syringes and like even just stuff like that that's not direct health care but stocking up on all that stuff does add up too and so it's just I don't know I just feel like people don't think about that so the dude was like yeah you should just drive Lyft and like play gigs I'm like yeah let me let me think about that <laughs> like and sounds like yeah. not a plan Right. And, and then, and that's great if that works for you. And, and I feel like too, it's tricky as an artist. Cause like, I would love to have that flexibility or I'd love to quit my job and just tour for six months and then come back and just pick up another kind of part-time side gig or whatever. And I know other musicians have the flexibility to do that. It's just learning like what, what parameters you can play in. So I'm not gonna, I, I, I like can't afford to be a starving artist kind of quote unquote with your, with your life, which is fine. I think just making peace with that and saying, well, these are the parameters I have to play in, but I am fortunate that I only work four days a week and not five. And I, I do get about a month off a year that I kind of spread out throughout the year, which is nice too to play shows. So like you, you can do a lot with that. It's just learning to work with what you have. And maybe someone does have the flexibility or it's, you know, or there are people in Nashville who are like married and their partner has insurance and they can do whatever they want or they're a teenager and their parents pay for everything. And that's cool. But again, try not to have jealousy or frustration around that. Like that's their journey and that's their life and their privilege. And that's cool. Like, and they're doing cool things with it and putting out their art. I'll put up my art in the way I can. And part of my experience too, like I happen to write more songs than about medical stuff. And I'm able to use my amazing giant platform of a thousand followers, but you know, whatever, whatever group I can read just to talk about some of this medical stuff and destigmatize stuff. And they might not be doing with that, that with our, their art. So that informs your story and your journey and the songs that you make too. So I think it's just, and that's, that's something I've been learning to kind of just play within the parameters I have instead of being frustrated that the parameters are different, you know, and just being, again, that, that 2020 experience just showed me how, lucky I am to have insurance and have everything I do and how my world would have been flipped upside down if I didn't. So, I don't know. I'm ridiculously jealous of your insurance because we have insurance and yeah. it's a $6,000 deductible. So that means like six K before they touch anything. Yes. Yeah. No, my, I mean, I have a PPO option. Yeah. Like, I do work for like kind of a hospital setting, which I think helps too, but that was a big part of my career path, either education or healthcare, because you would always have the good insurance, but that was a big part of my plan to go down there. Because I, I mean, like when I was in high school, I did announce, like, I want to move to New York and just play music. Mom's like, yeah, you're not doing that. You need a job. That's about offensive. Like, all right, that's a good plan. That's a good point. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is true. Like, and it's, but, I, but it's just frustrating kind of hearing people talk about like living the dream or like, or like you're not like a real artist if you're not willing to like sleep in your car and do whatever it takes. It's like, there's also a lot of privilege around that. You can afford to do that. Or even as a woman sleeping in my car at night does not sound safe or fun. Like 
no, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. Like if you're able to risk that or do that, great for you, but I'm not going to do that. So I don't know. Like I've heard that advice too in the past. I'm like, well, don't let anything stop you. And you just don't want it bad enough. It's like, no, I just don't want to be in debt forever. And then I won't have any money to do anything with music. So like, it's, I don't know. Just, but I feel like it's, 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 it's just hard when you get those opinions a lot. And that, that does seem to be an overwhelming, which I think goes, goes along with the rise and grind kind of hustle culture thing. If you're not willing to sacrifice mm. everything for it, you don't really want it. It's like, well, actually I really do. I just also want to live and not be in medical debt and be able to go to the doctor and get a new catheter if I need to. <laughs> Sorry. Like we all have the rules we have to play by. Like it's fun. I think that anyone who starts telling you what an entire community is real or not real instantly has some huge issues that they need to work through immediately as quick as possible. Like it's, it really scares me when someone's like, you are not real this unless you're, and we see this a lot in the chronic illness community. You're not really disabled unless you're wheelchair full-time or you're not really a wheelchair user. If you can stand and walk, you are not, really that sick with EDS unless you're dislocating every day. Like there's so many gatekeepers on so many things. It's like, why, why be a gatekeeper? Why not, why not embrace yeah, more community? Yeah, exactly. Well, like, I think it's, I mean, there's this interesting, like, see, this, this is why I love TikTok, which is like the, which is the back and forth element sort of it. There's this one dude who has this series called like self-made is a toxic myth. And he kind of goes mm. into his, all these big artists like Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande and Ed Sheeran were amazing artists. So much money behind those people. (laughs) They also all happen to have very wealthy parents who were able to help them open a lot of doors. And it's easier to make it in music if you don't have to have a day job and you can spend 40 hours a week on, you know, on, on your own art. And also it takes a lot of money to be a musician in terms of a producer and promotion and all that stuff is money out of your pocket, unless you have a label, which then is you're going into debt to the label that you better make back with the release. And if you don't, you owe the label. But if mom or dad can pay for that, that's good. Which is again, which is fine. It's cool that they had that, that help. And that doesn't mean that they didn't work hard, but I just feel like there's this kind of myth that's sold of like, <laughs> bust forever and Taylor Swift just moved to Nashville and played and like look where she is now and they just posted something on YouTube and now she's big it's like well there's there's a bit going on behind the scenes but it's just made to but I I just find it makes artists feel bad if they're not achieving the same level of success when the when other people kind of start on third base I guess so it's just it's just kind of keeping that in mind too just the levels of I see that with like entrepreneurship and tech world is like, oh my gosh, look at Elon Musk. Look at, you know, Jeff Bezos. So look at, they started these things in their garages. It's like, those were one hell of garages there. That was, that was a lot of investment that parents put in. That was a lot of like government contracts that were just handed to them by like, that was a lot of privilege before they got to that amazing success level. And that's the thing about privilege. You don't choose privilege any more than you choose not having privilege, but it comes with responsibility to look around and see what you can do to level that playing field for other people who don't have that. That's that is the responsibility of privilege. Right. And, 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 even, um, and I mean, like I came from Fairfield, Connecticut, which is a very wealthy suburb in Connecticut. And my parents were able to plan and save. So I don't have college debt, which is a big, big, huge. Have, which is a huge thing of privilege too. And I'm a white cisgendered straight woman. So like I do, I do walk around with a lot of privilege, but I do have kind of special needs and medical disabilities and stuff like that too. And I try to talk about it and I try to, get that out there and I do try to support other artists in my community and like 
I, I mean, like, I like that idea about Nashville, that it is all community and it is all who you know, but it's more just making connections and supporting your artists and, you know, cheering when they get success too. And kind of having that symbiotic back and forth where everybody can kind of come up together versus I got mine too bad, you know, like I, I just like that idea of kind of supporting the people around you, but also being acknowledging of where you come. So like, and I can get mad at Taylor Swift for her story, but like I'm walking around with a hell of a lot of privilege too. And I understand that too. It's definitely. You know. Yeah. I mean, I never see a point in getting mad at someone for privilege I mean, that they didn't choose it. I, I yeah, do exactly. see a problem when they perpetuate the bootstrap myth. When yes. they aren't yes. open and honest with, yeah, I'm really glad I was talented enough to make the most of my privilege. I, right. I, I really had a lot of help here. Like when they're pulling a story that's not theirs, yeah. that's upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and yeah, I think, I think it's more just the way that those artists have been kind of marketed. It's frustrating. Even someone made a comment of how prolific Taylor Swift was to write two albums during COVID. It's like, well, I could have done that too, if I never worked during this. And so I had access to a studio. A cook or a cleaner or... Like I could have written two albums, <laughs> like, but again, and that's that kind of judgment of like, eh, and again, like, well, then you, maybe you should write songs more when you do have time, Laura, instead of getting frustrated, but just being aware of that. Cause it's, I think, I think it just is very, very easy to get kind of jaded and mad at this industry oh. when it is all comparison. And I don't know. So just using that again as like motivation and being aware of the privilege that, other people may have that's helping them and also being grateful for what you have and trying to spread the wealth of people. Well, someday when COVID is over, I need to visit you in Nashville and hear you. Right? Like I would love to see you live. Thank you. Yeah, no, I just played my first show last night live in two years, which was super exciting. It was amazing to kind of be back on stage again. It was that feeling of like, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> like this is amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> That feels like magic. I we were all set to start traveling again, but the mask mandates got lifted on air flights, so we are not traveling at all anywhere. I don't understand why. You know, yeah, that's my yeah. Well, that's a whole nother two hours. Then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we should probably wrap up because uh, I promised a small child I would watch Disney yeah. movies for lunch. Um, but what can we say about your album before we sign off? Yeah. No, that's great. So yeah, I have an album coming out July 8th, I believe it's called Typewriter. And I'm not sure when this will be released, but I have a single coming out March, or no, we're in April now, April 22nd on Friday, I have a new single coming out called Unfriended. May 20th, I have a single coming out called Show and Tell. And then there's a title track called Typewriter that'll be out June 17th, I think. And then Unfriended and Typewriter both have music videos that I'm really excited about. So those will be on YouTube. Your videos are gorgeous. I and love your videos. No, yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. And like the unfriended one kind of like is me kind of like narrating the pain of watching an ex move on without you on social media. So it's definitely kind of a ton of tongue in cheek, funny type video. Like, like I was cracking up watching it back the first time. Like it's really funny. And then, and then we did this video for typewriter too, that we actually filmed in a typewriter shop outside of Nashville. And it's like beautiful. <laughs> So, and his name's Kirk Jackson. He runs a place called Nashville Typewriter. So if you are in need of a typewriter or want to kind of invest in one, I have six my little collections over there. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. Oh, the little <laughs> blue one is so perfect. I could like I write mean, Jane Austen stuff on that blue one. Yeah. A little Skywriter. But yeah, that's my little hobby. So I figured I'd write an album about it and call it Typewriter. But, but yeah, no, the, the, the album's cool because like each song kind of talks about social media or technology. I thought it'd be funny to kind of have typewriter next to unfriended about, you know, breaking up with someone and then that show and tell that kind of celebrates 
kind of sharing my medical story online for the first time. And a song called Hide and Seek that kind of dives into maybe why I'm so dependent on social media and some of that 12-year-old kid versus who I am now and kind of playing hide and seek with like a six-year-old version of myself who used to be very carefree and didn't care about the medical stuff. So that's kind of a cool song. I like that a lot. But anyway, so yeah, the whole song kind of, the whole album plays that. And then the song, The Type, had that line, perfectly fine with never being perfect. So yeah, I'll kind of play with social media or technology in some some respect. So I definitely really like this project. And I like how it's kind of, it, it's it's my first album, but it's also my first like concept album. Which I thought was kind of, so that'll be everywhere July 8th, it's extreme. So yeah, that's a little summing up of the project, if that's <laughs> helpful to have. That is super helpful. Um, we went over an hour because I just have no ability to stop talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> but please head over to our show notes. You'll be able to listen to all of the music that Lauren has produced so far uh we will link everything up from the videos to some of the suggestions that were made and welcome back to invisible not broken everyone we'll see how long i can keep it going this season um i am on my own for a bit so we'll see uh if you want to help please feel free to uh send us over something and uh i will quote glennon doyle if you like this please head over and uh give us a five-star review if you don't like this uh that's okay you can just move on all the best everyone uh be kind be gentle and be a badass.